From RTE News, this is States of Mind. Donald, you're not going to be able to insult your way to the presidency. Little Buddha touch, Slippy Joe and Crazy Bernie. Mini Mike. I hit Pocahontas way too early. We have a president who is not only a pathological liar. We have a criminal living in the White House. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. Let's just pick somebody, please, and let's start this thing. Let's start it. Pick somebody. Your U.S. Election 2020 podcast. With Brian O'Donovan in Washington. And Jackie Fox in Dublin. Today. New York's St. Patrick's Day Parade has been cancelled for the first time in its 258-year history. Well, we didn't shake hands today, and uh, we looked at each other, we said, what are we going to do? You know, it's sort of a weird feeling. Some would say that going from acting White House Chief of Staff to Northern Ireland envoy is a demotion. <laughs> Hiya, Jackie. How are you? Um, are you okay to talk now? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's really short, it's only five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And is this quality okay? Or does it sound all right? Yep, that's all good. I know you're outside the White House, so it's a little bit windy. But yes, sounds all good. Might as well get to it. Uh, well, Brian, uh, you can't really predict the news. That's for sure. I'm, your head must have done a full 360 after that. Yeah, I mean, Jackie, you plan for a day like the annual St. Patrick's Day at the White House. It's a big part of the job of the Washington correspondent and it's always very busy and there's always lots of surprises and there's always lots of things happen. But I think this year was like no other. The coronavirus absolutely dominating everything that happened over the last 24 hours. It all began last night. We had the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar at a Nancy Pelosi event as the news broke from Donald Trump that he was imposing this travel ban on Europe. And of course, originally, Donald Trump didn't go into a lot of detail. He just said it was Europe except the UK. So people thought it might have included Ireland. Of course, now we know it doesn't, but we did at the time. And that's something that has absolutely dominated today. It curtailed everything. It shortened events. The traditional Shamrock Bowl ceremony was cancelled. Events that would normally happen that we'd always associate with this annual White House gathering just didn't happen. And then, of course, the press briefings, the meetings, the Oval Office and all the media availabilities with both President Trump and the Taoiseach utterly, utterly dominated by the coronavirus. Well, we didn't shake hands today and uh, we looked at each other. We said, what are we going to do? You know, it's sort of a weird feeling. I think we we said at the same time we did this. Throughout the madness, though, and in the middle of all this chaos, I did get a chance, a brief chance, to have a sit-down interview with Donald Trump's chief of staff, Woohoo. Mick Mulvaney. Outgoing, acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, to give him his full, proper title. I mean, we know a bit about Mick Mulvaney. I'm sure he's in the news a bit over yeah, there. Yeah, who, who is he, I suppose, for people yeah, who yeah. don't know? Who is Mick Mulvaney, or Mulvaney, as they say in the West of Ireland? Exactly. So it's spelled Mulvaney, but they pronounce it Mulvaney here. Irish-American, as the name suggests, pet grandparents from... Mayo, um, former congressman, would be quite a um, conservative. And he was a close confidant of Donald Trump. And Donald Trump was a big fan of his. And he initially appointed him to be his budget director. And then he appointed him his acting White House chief of staff. And interestingly, he never graduated from that acting title, even though he's been in place since December 2018. And what number chief of staff is this now at this stage? He came after John Kelly and then you had Reince Priebus. I'm going to say third, maybe fourth. One does lose track. Yeah, he kept this, uh, he kept his acting title 
but he's been controversial in recent months. And there was a lot of suggestions that Donald Trump wasn't particularly happy with the way he dealt with certain questions and issues, particularly the Ukraine controversy, the quid pro quo that led to this impeachment inquiry. Did Donald Trump try to pressure Ukraine into investigating Joe Biden? And in a heated exchange in the White House briefing room at one point, Nick Mulvaney goes, that's what we do all the time. Get over it. It was a very kind of a dismissive attitude to the whole thing. We do that all the time with foreign policy. And I have news for everybody. Get over it. There's going to be political influence in foreign policy. That angered a lot of people, including, according to media reports, U.S. President Donald Trump. And there's been a lot of suggestion that in recent weeks and months, Donald Trump wanted to get rid of him and to fire him. He didn't quite fire him. He appointed him the Northern Ireland Special Envoy. This is significant in a couple of reasons. First off, there hasn't been a Northern Ireland envoy since Donald Trump took office three years ago. And you could say, my goodness, we needed one last year in the sense that there was Brexit. There was fears of a return to a hard border. There was all this concern about what Brexit might mean for Northern Ireland. And we did have many people on Capitol Hill talking about helping out Ireland. We didn't really have an envoy, though, appointed by the president. Now we do. He's due to take up the position in the coming weeks. And as I say, I got to sit down and have a chat with him. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. All right. First off, Mick Mulvaney, the job of Northern Ireland Envoy, I read somewhere you lobbied for this. Is this a job you wanted? And if so, why? I did. In fact, the, the, the back story is that about a year and a half ago, I went to go to ask the President of the United States to consider me for that position. Um, and um, before I got a chance to ask, he made me the chief of staff. Why? Why, why? why did you want it? Um, it's just something I've been familiar with and been working with. I was in Congress since 2011 and had been working on issues uh, in the Republic uh, with the North for a long time, had started to develop some relationships over there, knew the position was open, knew the history of the position, and then knew the importance of the position and saw what happened once the Brexit vote took place, um, knew that this would be a, a, a very important place for American interests to sort of just sort of make sure that, uh, that we're still watching what's going over, make sure we can do everything we can to help. And the uh, president was very accommodating and very gracious to give me the chance to do this uh, after I'm finished with, in the White House. But here's the question on Brexit. That's several years ago. Donald Trump didn't appoint anybody to this role for three years. Why wasn't there somebody there, really, when things were looking very, very tough, the potential return to a right. hard border? We could have done with an envoy then, could we not? Could have, but we're also relying heavily on both of us. We had, we had a really, really good ambassador, we thought, in, in England. Uh, Mr. Johnson, we thought, was doing an excellent job. We, we had some fits and starts on an ambassador uh, in, um, in Dublin, but I had a lot of good relationships with the Taoiseach, for example, with some, uh, some members of his staff, so we felt like we could do it on that ad hoc basis. Now that the vote is over, now that we understand what the protocol is, uh, moving now towards implementation, especially over the course of the next 11 months, going to be very uh, significant conversations. Also significant conversations between ourselves and the UK on a free trade agreement, possibly with the EU on a trade agreement. Um, now's the right time to put somebody in that position. Let's say this is a scenario. You're in the middle of the free trade agreement. Things are getting messy. Boris Johnson is looking like some, some sort of a hard crash out Brexit, a hard border, maybe even in Northern Ireland. Will you stand up for Northern Ireland? Will you stand up for the peace process uh, in those trade negotiations if they're starting to turn in a negative well, way? Let's be perfectly clear about who I'll stand up for. I'll stand up for the United States. Our interest, however, which I'll be representing and defending and sort of asserting, our interest is seeing a peaceful and a prosperous Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, the island of Ireland, good relationship. Look at it this way. The Ireland and the UK 
including Northern Ireland, two of our very closest friends, allies, neighbors, even family members from the United States of America. This is the mother country, for goodness sakes, and from a uh, country a lot of us have come from. So these are our two closest friends. It is in our interest to make sure uh, they are peaceful and prosperous, and that's, that's what I see my role. Nancy Pelosi and Richie Neal say no trade deal if you threaten the Good Friday Agreement. Is that your stance? Uh, I'm going to talk to Richie a little bit. I've not... I've, I've not uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Don't want to get ahead of that one if I can. I want to sit down and talk to Richie. Um, I, I honestly think that that is that's the right starting point to have. I think that is the good conversation to have. I do think that people underestimate people in this country. I think Richie and Nancy are on to something there. That if there is a hard border, there's going to be difficulties. I think that's something that not everybody here really has grasped yet. Some would say that going from acting White House chief of staff to Northern Ireland envoy is a demotion. <laughs> Um, anything is a demotion from chief of staff short of being the president of the United States or perhaps the vice president. No, the, the, the job of chief of staff is never one f uh, that one has for life. The average life expectancy is about 14 months, which by curiosity is almost exactly how long I was in the job. No, no, when the president came in and said, look, um, I'm thinking about making a change to Mark Meadows, who's a close friend of mine. We're sharing this office here for the next 10 days as we start this transition. And he asked me, he said, look, you've, you've, you've served us very well. We're very pleased with your work to, to the country, to the administration. Is there anything you'd like to do after this? And I said, yeah, it was the Northern, Iron, uh, Nor Northern Irish Envoy. And he said, absolutely. So suggestions that this was a pushing out no, or a no, moving aside? No, no, absolutely not. No, no. And in fact, he was just reiterating that to, uh, to the Taoiseach this morning when we had, the, had our meetings in the Oval Office. So no, he's very, uh, I'm very pleased. He's very pleased. I hope that the Irish and the Northern Irish and the British are very pleased. Um, I, I can't imagine, I mean, I can pick up the phone still um, next week or next month when I'm in, in Belfast and call the President of the United States directly, and I'm not sure there's other envoys who've been able to do that. A couple of months back at the height of the impeachment crisis when you were being asked about quid pro quos, dealings with foreign governments, familiar, you, said, that. Yeah. you said, this is what we do, get over it. Yeah. Do you regret those no, comments? No, 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 because what I was saying was this, was that we use uh, foreign aid to try and get foreign countries to do what they what we want them to do. That was misinterpreted as doing something regarding to our election. That was not my intention at all. Just that, you don't have a right to United States foreign aid. We just don't give it to you uh, because you deserve it. We give it to you because we're trying to develop a relationship. We're trying to get you or you or you to do something else um, that uh, or something that we think would be in our mutual interest. So no, that's all that it is. It's, it's just never been a right to U.S. foreign aid. There's always been trade-offs to the countries that we give aid to. Coronavirus, a few weeks back you described it as being exaggerated. You said the president's political enemies were using it against him. Is that still your view? No, that's actually not what I said. Um, what I said was that no one had paid attention to it weeks ago because the impeachment was still going on. And actually I made the point that we, as the administration, had been working on it for months. It was January 6th when we made our first overtures to the Chinese government about assisting them with what was happening at the time at Wuhan. It was February 5th. When I made, I took, at the time I was on the, on the coronavirus task force here in the White House, I took a team up to, the, up to Capitol Hill to meet with the Senate and to meet with the House. No press showed up, and I had maybe a handful of senators and maybe a dozen House members because they, they weren't paying any attention to it. We were way ahead of the curve on this in the White House, and it, my point was that simply people were saying, oh, you're late to the game. That's not true. The folks who were late to the game were the media and Congress. Final question. I'm going to stick on coronavirus. Of course, the big sure. talk was that announcement last night of the travel ban. Some people saying it was a step too far, and really what President Trump should have been announcing was more testing. Uh, people said the same thing when we cut off flights to China. I think what you, what you saw us do last night is make the realization 
um, that because of, in all fairness, the shortcomings that France and Italy made in not reducing their direct contacts with China, um, that continental Europe is now essentially where China was when we cut off direct flights several several weeks back. So uh, when, when I was in Ireland three weeks ago and I met with the Taoiseach, we talked about coronavirus. In fact, the next day I met with um, my, my, um, my counterpart in, um, at number 10 in London as well, and I had one message, which was, please, please, please get the French and the Italians to limit their flights from China, because at that time they had not done it. And sure enough, here we are a couple weeks later, and they're the hot spots in Europe. So uh, we saw, really saw that we had no choice. We didn't want to do it. We're not trying to, to, to fight with our friends uh, in, uh, in Europe. But when Europe is now essentially where China was a couple weeks back, we really have very little choice. But if President Trump is on top of this, why are the markets still in turmoil? I think the markets don't know what's going to happen. Um, you can be on top of it all you want to, um, but we, we still don't know that this, how easy it is to get the disease. There's one thing here that I think people are, uh, overlook when it comes to the disease, and I, I, I hope I'm making the point that no one ever said that this was not a big deal. We've always said that it could be a big deal. When you can give someone an illness when you don't know that you are ill and you don't know you are contagious, it's very, very difficult to contain. Um, even if you had all the testing in the world, you wouldn't think to go get tested unless you felt ill or had met somebody who were ill. And that's what's so pernicious about this disease is you can give it to me before you even know you're contagious. This is a special edition of States of Mind and we will be back on Tuesday the 24th of March with a lot to dissect. We'll have the first debate between Biden and Bernie. That is something to look forward to. It is and we're going to have that one-on-one debate. We're going to have some more key primaries falling on St. Patrick's Day and what we won't sadly this year have here in America or at home in Ireland on St. Patrick's Day are any parades. But if people want to get their fix, I guess and tune into something a little bit different. Lots of primaries being voted on on St. Patrick's Day. The results kicking in the following Wednesday, the 18th. And we'll have all the details when we're back with you on the 24th of March. Great, Brian. Have a good rest after all the madness. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jackie. Talk to you soon.